When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings Arizona Cardinals preseason contest purple podcast. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad in the U.S. Bank Stadium press box here post-game. Judd, give me your instant reaction to the struggles of the Minnesota Vikings first team offense here in this alleged all-important preseason game. Well, I would say judging by the comments of uh, quarterback Kirk Cousins and head coach Mike Zimmer, that it is my my assessment was basically my eyes didn't lie. And that's it was bad. And, and the run game looked OK. Dalvin Cook had a long touchdown run, what, 85 yards, which was fantastic. Uh, the passing game minus Adam Thielen today. Matthew Collar has a ton of work to do. I would say this, if this was an established offense with a, a scheme that had been in place for three or four years and had proven itself, I would dismiss this out of hand and say, who cares? Who gives a damn? Uh, but, it's, but it's not, and it involves a quarterback who still has plenty to prove in this, with this team and certainly in this scheme. And uh, do you know what this reminded me of today? This reminded me of June when I showed up for a mini camp practice and I saw the offense look ragged and, and the passing game look out of sync and the timing look bad. Um, and you know what? 14 days from Sunday in two weeks, they could come back against the Falcons and Matthew, everything could go great. And we all don't even remember this game, but I can't dismiss it completely because of the fact that Cousins again today looks so poor and and with what he's trying to process and learn it just appears that it's going to take some time and you've now got two weeks to put a professional game plan together and execute it against the Falcons I can't dismiss it I, I don't want to go overboard here but I also can't tell you that it means absolutely nothing because I don't know that for a fact well I would say this you're not scheming for one against the Arizona Cardinals You do not have your number one wide receiver, Adam Thielen, against the Arizona Cardinals. You do not have your starting right tackle, Brian O'Neill, who I assume is going to be in the lineup week one, but I'm not 100% sure about that. And, um, you know, you're playing basically with one hand tied behind your back on offense anytime you go out there as a first team in one of these games because you didn't game plan all week. You're running kind of base concepts of your offense, and sometimes you're running things that aren't even anywhere remotely your offense at all, and you just want other teams to think that they are your offense. And so I understand that if you come out and say, if you're Kirk Cousins, look, guys, who cares? 
uh, then you look bad, and no one wants to hear that. What everyone wants to hear is we were awful, Kirk Cousins went 3 for 13, and I'm taking responsibility for that. And that was uh, something we heard from him post game that he uh, put it on his shoulders for not executing well enough and so forth. But I look at it as very much like I can't really take a whole lot away from this. Anything that was an issue today was an issue that I would think would be anyway. If they don't have Adam Thielen, they're going to have some problems. If they don't have Brian O'Neill and they can't pass protect very well, they're going to have some problems. And they definitely had some issues with pass protection today. But I don't suspect that their pass protection is going to look like the 1992 Dallas Cowboys anyway. You know, I, I think that what we saw today is just kind of how – Everything will look if it all goes wrong at once. But again, with no scheming and only playing a first half of football, I mean, we even saw last year that they had first halves against Detroit, against Green Bay that didn't go so well. And then in the second half, they played really well, which happens to all NFL teams at different times. So I look at this like, yeah, guess what? This is not going to be the greatest offense that has ever stepped on a field. They're going to have some problems. But I don't think I can sit here and react to something that I basically don't believe in. We said this week, don't even watch these games. Don't play them. Don't play starters. And so how can I say don't play starters because it doesn't matter and then say, whoa, it looked bad. It really matters. I, I can't make myself do that. I want to see Kirk Cousins, anytime he does step on the field and have an opportunity to succeed, I want to see him make, make strides as a player. And today I saw too many familiar things from a year ago that I can't dismiss it. I just can't. And this is, I just, I always go back to what Kirk said at his press conference and being basically as truthful as Kirk Cousins, our quarterback, can be back in June and saying, you guys think I, I know this offense backwards and forwards. I really don't. And so this is going to be a work in progress. And so I guess my question, starting with the September 8th game against Atlanta, too, is can you mask the things that you can't do well, well enough to not make mistakes and get by? And I don't know. And I'm not convinced Brian O'Neill plays week one now, which also concerns me greatly. So there are things there are things I saw today that are going to remain in the back of my mind until the Falcons game. And at that point, they can officially be dismissed and or made worse. And so so that's why I'm not freaking out by any means, but I'm also taking mental notes on what we're seeing. And and you know what? If Kirk Cousins, Matthew, were Brett Favre, I'd be like, who gives a damn? I just don't care. He was bad in a preseason game. But Kirk Cousins is not Brett Favre, and Kirk Cousins needs to show us something, I think, each time he takes the field. And to his credit today, he admitted it was it was rough. And guess what? I hate to say this. Thielen or Diggs easily could get hurt. Like, they could easily. Diggs has missed games. And so I'm not asking this offense to be the Joe Montana-led 49ers or Steve Young 49ers offense. I am, I, I'm, I am asking them every time they take the field first team-wise to look somewhat competent. And my problem today was it was incompetence at its highest form in my mind. But what's weird to me, Judd, is that I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you where they're constantly taking everything that they see from Kirk Cousins and trying to evaluate it for what it means for this year. And we are talking about a guy who has a sample size of four NFL seasons as a full-time starter playing 16 games and one playoff game. And if you look at 
pro football focus grades, if you look at his traditional statistics and all those things, what you will find is there was one year where he was really, really good, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times he was playing in shootouts with Washington that uh, a lot of those games they lost. And that helped him boost a lot of his statistics in that year and probably his PFF grades too. And so we're looking at a guy who is a very, very talented quarterback, but is most certainly not the best quarterback in the NFL, who has these streaks of frustrating moments where he can't complete a screen pass or where it looks like he's lost in the pocket or today you know they took one sack that he said he should have thrown the ball out of bounds and in preseason my god throw it out of bounds but he's not going to if you look at the numbers for how often he throws it away he never does throughout his career last year he was one of the lowest in the league at throwing the ball away despite having 600 attempts like nothing is changing with Kirk Cousins there are going to be moments like this Gary Kubiak can sit up here and call whatever play he wants to play or uh, send it down to Kevin Stefanski to call it let's make sure that's clear he can do whatever he wants he can throw show him all the Matt Schaub and Brian Greasy film from back in the day that he wants he could put the fullback out there three tight ends you can have all the Kubiak magic in the world but Kirk Cousins will not be different and so when I look at a game like this I say okay I mean it happened and I didn't think it was good either but I don't look I'm not looking at each preseason game and saying oh well he looked good against New Orleans so I care about that but I I don't care about any of it I don't think any of it means a darn thing and if you're cousins you can't say that in your press conference you have to make a frowny face and pretend that you're mad about it but I don't even I don't even think he should be it didn't go well but it didn't matter it didn't count for anything and I'm not evaluating him now to be fair uh to him as well the entire thing the, the run game looked good uh the entire pass game looked awful not just Cousins. To be fair, he's the guy that, that, and rightfully so, he makes $20 million a year that we're going to talk about the most, and we should talk about him the most, Matthew. But the pass game as whole, as far as being in sync, looked awful. Like, it didn't look in sync. It looked, BB dropped a ball. BB had, I think there was a miscommunication again with Kirk where a pass fell incomplete. Kirk tried to air a ball out for digs. That I love the idea, going deep, stretching the field, but it was what? eight yards, seven yards beyond digs. So these are just things. Listen, if you can, if this is a wake-up call and, and you can get all of these things or a lot of these things fixed by uh, the Falcons game, then this game served a purpose. I just, I'm not going to dismiss it completely. And, and I do think that pass protection-wise, though, look, it's going to come back to this. Kirk Cousins, you can roll Kirk Cousins out, and it might help. But to your point, you're not going to change him completely. The pass protection issue, this will not be the last time that we uh, stand in this stadium in the year 2019 and talk about it. Is it fixed? I have no clue. Do I have concerns? If if you were to ask me right now, is my concern about the timing with with the receivers or overthrowing digs or if Thielen gets hurt? Okay, maybe mildly, Matthew. But if we were to talk about one thing that I think is going to be a discussion on the Purple Podcast throughout the course of this year, I think it's going to come back to this, the protection. Yep. I really do. And I think it's going to come back to the guard play, and I think it's going to come back to to the fact that as we saw today, and again, among your things that's not going to change, Kyle Rudolph really can't block people. So there's just all of these things. And and if, if Kyle played with a great offensive line, I don't think we'd care. But he doesn't. He's necessary. He's needed. And he can't. 
So that's the one thing that I saw today that, that pass protection-wise I think we're going to come back to probably multiple times throughout this year. Okay, so this is one where I would say if we're talking about what it means, what it doesn't mean for today, then I think I, I would say this is a little bit of affirmation that the offensive line, if you thought that drafting Garrett Bradbury alone and signing Josh Klein and moving Elfline over was going to fix all the pass protection, I think Bradbury will undoubtedly be better than Pat Elfline was last year at center just because Elfline was ranked by PFF dead last. So it's not going to be worse than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see how he goes along against some of the best players in the NFL and in the NFC North, a lot of the beasts there. But here's where it's not going to change is on those edges. Brian O'Neill is going to come back probably. Maybe it's first week. Maybe it's not the first week. If you got to play Rashad Hill a lot, you're in trouble. If you ha- and if you have to have Riley Reef out there alone against top pass rushers, you're in trouble. I mean, this is the reality of thing. And and as much as I like Garrett Bradbury and like everything I've seen from him, it's something I'm going to keep going back to that Andre Dillard, a left tackle, was right there, who was the best pass blocking left tackle in all of college football. And I, I mean, I think Bradbury's a guy who's going to have a 12 year career in the NFL, and he'll be solid, and everyone will like him, and maybe he'll make a Pro Bowl. Like centers don't get drafted in the first round very often he's good but if you're talking about the value of pass protection for a quarterback that doesn't move around a lot the center is going to help them with the running game and he's going to help them on double teams in the pass pro and things like that but generally even Brett Jones when he was with the Giants could handle pass pro as a center generally they do fine because they're usually helping off with people the left tackle is something you can't hide. And I know that today wasn't some horrible game for Riley Reef necessarily, but when you're talking about is the pass pro going to look like this? Probably. It probably will for a lot of uh, times during the season. And maybe Kubiak can scheme a little bit and Stefanski can find ways to help him out, like you said, rolling out. But a third and six? Nope, sorry, you can't. you got to stand in there and throw the ball. So, I, I mean, from the perspective of what is going to actually be a problem that we saw today, uh, I I would certainly say if Thielen or Diggs goes down, you are in hell. I mean, Brandon Zilstra can play a little. I think he should be on the team, be a special teamer, be a fill-in every once in a while. But he's not Adam Thielen. He's not anywhere close to Adam Thielen. Neither, no, nobody, as we see consistently in the backups, is anywhere in the stratosphere of Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen. And that becomes a problem. And even Chad Beebe has dropped two passes in the last two games. He's been good in practice, but come on, man, you got to do it here too. When, when somebody throws you a perfect pass right out of your break, I mean, you got to grab it. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Arif Hassan on Twitter who pointed out that Chad Beebe had a very high drop rate in college too. He's got small hands. Maybe that makes a difference. Like they've, they've got nothing behind those two guys and they are in huge trouble if they can't play. So smart to not play Adam Thielen today. But those are the only two things I would look at when you're not actually scheming. I don't look at Kirk and say that guy's going to be different. I think he's going to have his great moments. I think he's going to have his moments that look like today. I don't think you can make him a better screen passer. I don't think you can make him a better runner or playmaker with the football, really, aside from taking off every once well, in a while on the third down. I mean, I, I, you know, I just I, I can't take anything from this other than stuff we already knew. I'll, I'll put this as simply as I possibly can. We are about to learn in the next 17 weeks or so, starting with the opener against the Falcons, Matthew, we're about to learn how much the assumption that we made about what can Kubiak's system cover up we're going to find out. We're going to find out because I've used the term since Kubiak got hired propping up Cousins. 
We are about to find out how much you can actually prop him up and how much is going to default to him being him. But again, the important thing to keep in mind here is this is not saying it's all his fault. This is saying it's a matter of your line. It's a matter of your protections. It's a matter of a lot of things. But ultimately, because of the position he plays and, fair or not, the money he makes, it comes back to him. But We've been talking for months now since Kubiak got this job and showed up from God knows where to take this job. We've been talking for months about the fact that he is going to, to coaching-wise, hopefully for the Vikings' sake, elevate Cousins' game. Guess what? Now we're going to find out how much he can truly do it. Well, I would say him, and I would also say Delvin Cook, because when Kirk Cousins handed Delvin Cook the football and did nothing else and got an 85-yard touchdown drive, <laughs> I mean, that... Right there is what Delvin Cook can do and nobody else can do. Uh, I mean, there's only a handful of running backs in the league who are as explosive, who are as powerful. I mean, and when he gets in the open field, this guy can just run past everybody. Well, he I, can cut the cut he made too for a big for unreal, a big guy. Unreal cut. He cut cuts back. like he's yep. five foot seven. Yep, exactly. And and then his breakaway speed yeah. is also top notch too. And I mean, last year when he was taken off against uh, Detroit, it was among the fastest I've ever seen a man move on a football field. And it was one of the fastest by the next-gen stats of all running backs or all players that year with the football. And that really tells you something about how special he is and why they want to give him the ball this much. And normally I would say, look, a running game, a running back, they just can't do that much for you. But if they can break 80-yard touchdowns, that's game-changing. That's winning games because you had – one guy just get the ball and run for a touchdown. And that's what they're going to have to hope for, too, if they want to be an all-around offense. I mean, last year, um, there was an estimate. I don't have it up in front of me. But in terms of how many points they were below average just because they couldn't run the ball at all last year, mm-hmm. and it was something like 30 or 40 points. And, that you know, that over a season of 16 games, that's only a couple points a game. But, th- I mean, that, they lost a lot of games by one score where you needed – somebody to come in and make a big play in the running game and they didn't really have it last year so I think that could be a huge difference for them and one of those things where yeah you you've got to rely on Kubiak's ability to scheme for Kirk you've got to rely on Delvin Cook and if any of these things go wrong this is where I feel like this offense walks a tightrope is that they can get from side to side from here to the playoffs on that tightrope but there are just obstacles all over the place, and if any of the things go wrong, you fall off into the no-playoffs pit of fire, I guess. Here's my one big Kirk thing, and especially it applies directly to Cook. And in the 2019 game, I think it's imperative. But his inability or struggles, I should say, I guess, to throw a screen pass is really off the charts odd, and that would be that could be a huge problem because that is a, a basically a run play the screen pass is a great play, and and I would say it's not overstepping the boundaries of hype to say that the majority of good quarterbacks can make that throw, and they make it look really, really simple, and you can see Kirk letting go of the ball and thinking. It's a weird thing. He almost, I, I want to say, Matthew, he telegraphs the screen pass. It's like he's thinking, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, and then it gets tipped, yep. or it gets intercepted, Definitely or it gets batted down. Um but I, but I would say if Kirk continues to be baffled or flummoxed by the screen pass, that's going to be a real problem because I could see if that works, that being a play with Dalvin Cook, 
that oh, could yeah. uh, take defenses apart pretty easily. And that's what Kirk told me last week when they came very close to hitting on a big screen play to Alexander Madison. And, and he said that there was just a bit of a miscommunication there. But, um, yeah, I mean, even by the PFF numbers, his accuracy on screen passes was not at league average, which league average is over 80%. I mean, normally the screen passes are executed pretty easily. And, you know, that's a that's another thing where they might find out as they go forward that that is a area where he struggles and they might have to change it to swing passes or, or bubble screens with Delvin out of the slot. You can't give up on that no matter what. But I agree. It is one of those little oddities that uh, Doug Farrar, who now writes for USA Today, but he's been with SI and a couple of different football outsiders maybe, um, Doug did a piece when the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins about some of the like little hitches in his processing where it's just like a tick late sometimes. And I think with the screen, it has to be like a no thinking type of thing. Like yep. you just got to take it and execute it and that's it. And yep. there's no thinking. Whereas if you do a seven step drop, you're assessing the defense, then you stop and you hitch and you throw and, and it's, and you can see everything, you know what I mean? Where it doesn't have to be like one of those reactionary things. So uh, maybe there is something to it, but it goes under the category again of like nothing will be different. Figure out how to work around it. And Delvin Cook is a big part of work around it. And so is how they're going to scheme. And when today they play a game and look terrible, but don't scheme at all. Well, I can't say, all right, well, this is awful. I'll panic because, for you. Because they didn't scheme. How about that? That's the thing. I can't I'll put take it, the panic. I can't panic at all. I'll take when the they panic off your shoulders. The whole thing here, the whole premise of why this is supposed to work is that the scheme is better. And in practice, the scheme is working against the Vikings defense pretty consistently. And yet here in a game where they didn't scheme, it didn't work. So just because they put people in this building and had them watch and pay for tickets doesn't mean I'm going to really take it seriously when it comes to almost anything except – Except I've got one thing, and I know you've got one thing yep. to take a little bit seriously. Uh, Xavier Rhodes got smoked twice, yep. and he didn't look like he could really run good. Fell down at one point. Uh, I think he literally pivoted and fell. Yeah, and so there was two plays from a receiver I have literally never heard of yep. that Rhodes did not look like anywhere close to the old Xavier Rhodes. And with a normal player who wasn't his age and who wasn't coming off a bunch of injuries in a bad season last year, I would say, eh, who cares? He's probably just not even trying at this point. But you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when we knew Terrence Newman was kind of cooked in a preseason game and he got out there and he just looked like he couldn't really run anymore. And then he retired like a week later. <laughs> but he was also 40. He was also 40. But if you think about Terrence Newman was an elite athlete and also – had the perfect body type for staying healthy for a long time. Yep. Like he was slender and he was like 6'1". And with Rhodes, he's packed so much muscle onto that body. And he's so tall and so thick and big that I just wonder if the flexibility is gone, the burst is gone. He looks like a guy who you'd be talking about him changing from number one cornerback to safety, at least today. Now, this could all be different, and maybe it was him just sort of loafing in a preseason game. But... Mm. I think considering last year, that goes under the category of keep an eye on that one. He's also beat up, too. Guy's been hurt a lot, come out of games. I don't think he's purposely trying to come out of games, so he continually gets beat up, so that's not surprising. Okay, so here's mine. Okay. And can we please just fix it? In fact, I talked to somebody downstairs who's very close to this team and agrees completely with me. And this is, of all the Zim flaws. and Zim are saying sources? I'm saying sources. Whoa. Zim's a, Zim's a good coach, okay? This is podcast only, Judd. Zim's a good coach. I'm still going with it. Zim is a good coach. So let me start there, all right? I'm not bashing Mike. I like Mike. I love the fact he's grouchy. But the kicking situation. 
All right. And then, and so Zim today in his press conference, j- just if you didn't watch the game, it's Kari Vedvik, is that right? Corey. Corey Vedvik. Corey Vedvik, who, who, by the way, before being traded for a fifth-round choice from uh, Baltimore, was perfect in Baltimore, kicking just, you know, long field goals, short field goals, everything he could. He's wide left from 43 yards and wide right from 54 yards. And the 54-yarder is the, is the Corey Vedvik special. And Zim today says, well, you know what? Since we got Vedvik, now he's missing his kicks. And Bailey and, um, and Weil have improved. And I don't know what's going on here. And he's frustrated. Uh, just figure this out again. Why are coaches doing this? Matt Nagy, Mike Zimmer, why are you doing this? This is your fault. You know, you're bringing all these people in. Find your kicker. Find your punter and settle on them. They are not... Um, it's not the cornerback competition. Screwing with their heads is not a great idea. So Vedvik talked postgame, seems like a nice kid, very accountable, nothing against him, but figure this out and go with your specialists and stay with them. Quit with this, these charades. And then, you know, Mike saying, well, since we did this, now he's doing well and he's doing well. Because, Mike, you're creating too much confusion. You're screwing with these people's minds. Just settle. See, I, I think that after this, I think they're going to cut him and look ridiculous. This is a hot take, right? by the way. I, yeah. This is a, I mean, here's the thing. I if could Rick, be wrong. If Rick Spielman traded a fifth-round pick. So, so the going theory, correct, is the Chicago Bears were about to trade for Vedvik because the Bears are desperate for a kicker. The Vikings came in at the last second and basically said, we'll give you a fifth-round pick, which is more than Chicago was going to give them. If Rick Spielman now cuts a guy he traded a fifth-round pick for, let the fun begin, because the first Zolgad column will go up right after the announcement. But, I mean, the, the guy didn't punt very well. He punted it really far, but not very effectively in the first game. Yep. And he comes out here and misses wide left on a 43-yarder, which, I mean, you, you just can't miss, right? You can't miss a 43-yard kick if you're Blair the guy. Walsh, Blair Walsh could have done that for it, you. But if you're, right, if you're the guy who's going to take away Dan Bailey's job, you yep. can't shank a 43-yarder no, in I, the game. I agree. Right? I mean, Bailey, for the struggles that he's had at times during practices, is a very much proven NFL kicker. And if you're going to take that guy's job, you just can't miss that kick. So if he didn't perform well in the punting overall, and Weil was great today, I thought, in punting, and he hasn't performed well in the kicking aside from a 55-yarder in practice that he hit, but he misses the long kick short today. And he looked like, honestly, it was weird, because he looked like on the long kick, like he wasn't a kicker. He looked like a contest winner, the way he was approaching the he, ball. He looked like a he looked like a punter asked to kick. Right. It didn't look like the rhythm before. and the timing of a usual kicker. And it was short. And it was like well it was short. short. So he's yeah. supposed to be the guy with the monster leg. He can't kick the shorter one. He can't kick the longer one. He's punting line drives and not kicking it up in the air to reduce the amount of return on the play. I mean, it, it, it hasn't looked at all like a guy that you would say, oh, yeah, cut a punter who was fine last year Matt Weil was fine they were in the top five in terms of their uh, return yards against they were in the middle of the league in net yards they were fine last year enough with the games yeah just enough if you wanted competition from day one of training camp you know what I would have said that's fine but enough with the silly games and then being surprised especially with specialists when it backfires specialists are not football players right like why can't we get that through our heads 
If you want to have competition from day one of camp, then go for it. That's cool. But this whole thing of swooping in to take away the Bears guy, and now you've created all this confusion, and this Vedvik kid is obviously I mean, now – he's a, you know what? He's another young guy. Daniel Carlson didn't work. It's not because he couldn't kick Matthew. It's because they screwed with him so badly he lost – he basically lost all his confidence. Vedvik's going to be the same way. This is unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I don't even think getting him was necessary. And if they got him to keep him away from the Bears, then – you might be just outthinking yourself there, right? Like that. He, what, that would never happen to Rick. To, I don't know what you're talking about. Because to me, I'm not sure that the guy is an NFL talent. I mean, in, you go back to his kicking in college; it's very mediocre for Marshall. And then you look at his kicking with the Ravens; he nails a couple of long kicks. Okay, congratulations. But we're talking about only a handful of kicks. And then Zimmer calls a special teams guy, and he says, "Yeah, I like him." And like, okay, look, I I get that Bailey has not looked special. And, and didn't look special last year, but you are talking about a guy who you know for sure can be an NFL kicker and while who you know for sure could be an NFL punter. And to me, you're just overthinking this way too much by forcing one of those guys out to keep him just because of the fifth-round pick. And I'm telling you that it will not matter when it comes down to that fifth-round pick. It's not going to matter to Zimmer. Zimmer's going to want to keep the guy who he thinks is the best. Well, He's, that's going to be a, a fun thing to hear. I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I, I would be too. But I think if Zimmer, we know Zimmer pulls the strings. We know he makes the decisions. And if he ultimately said, look, sorry, I don't trust the kid kicking or punting. You're going to have to cut him. Sorry if we look bad, but we're going to have to look bad here. Then that's what's going to happen. So anyway, anything else, Judd? Nope, that's it. I'm just, all I'm telling you is I'm, I'm willing to take your lack of, uh, of alarm at what we saw today and pick up some of that at least so that if things fall apart That's why weeks, we keep you around. I can, turn you, I can turn to you and be like, I told you so. Oh, yes, yes. And, uh, and, and if they don't, I'll say, yeah, you're right. It didn't matter. As it is no better time for people to try and say, I told you so, than with preseason conclusions. Oh, oh it's, uh, we don't even want to get into that. It oh. is the best. So, all right. All right. Um, I would also say they should keep Mike Boone. I think they should keep Mike Boone. I think he does a lot of things, too. That's right. He was on special teams today. He kick returned. He punt gunned. And he also had uh, more good running. He could catch out of the backfield. I think he's a guy that you want to keep around. And I wouldn't be surprised if they keep five backs. Does Abdullah make it as a, a punt returner? I, no? I think so. I think there's a good shot that Abdullah makes it as right. a mix-it-in type of running back. Now, last year, they would have had... These same guys, right? They, except for Latavius Murray right. instead of Madison, they kept five running backs. I think they'll do it again. All right. That's it. Are we done? It's preseason, man. We got to get some real games. Except Thursday night, you got the Buffalo Bills. Your Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Joe yeah. Ferguson, O.J. Simpson. Some of those great Bills teams. Let's, let's not talk about O.J. <laughs> free man, though, these days. <laughs> He's on Twitter constantly. I follow him. Do you really? Much to people's d I, disgust, I follow. Him. I could not make myself follow. Oh, I, I no hit way. follow immediately. What's uh? Well, ne next week maybe I could tell you the tale. Remind me to do this of the Buffalo Bills bringing in two quarterbacks the day of the fourth preseason game, and one of them winning a job. That sounds like Zim and kick or uh, yeah, kickers. I, and uh, the two quarterbacks specialists. were Matt Leinart and Thad Lewis, and Thad Lewis won the job. Where did Thad Lewis go to college? I don't know. All right. Good enough for me. All right. Bye. We're done. See ya. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. 
Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.